Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This guy is a machine. All he does is work out and pick winners. Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. Oregon's down by 12. They're on the 45-yard line with no timeouts. Oregon's got an All-American field goal kicker. Why didn't somebody tell me? Chicago Sports Betting Show. Touchdown, Ohio State. There are some folks who are celebrating and others who are saying, you've got to be kidding. You kind of know what I'm thinking about. Over or under? Under would be the key word. Hello? Bet with an edge. He'd find out the kind of inside stuff nobody else knew, and that's what he put his money on. He even figured out the different bounce you got off the different kinds of wood they used on college basketball courts, you know? Early odds with Joe Ostrowski. A friend of mine is very smart, said I've been very lucky with gambling. I've never won. Saturday mornings on 670 The Score and the Radio.com app. Championship Sunday tomorrow, and we'll be back with another You Better You Bet Sunday morning, 9 to 11 a.m. I'll be going over all the sides, totals, game props, player props with Danny Parkinson, Nick Costos, and we'll also talk to some awesome guests like Chad Millman of the Action Network and Bob Scucci, longtime bookmaker out in Vegas. Should be awesome. Join us 9 to 11 tomorrow. So the big shock last weekend in the NFL playoffs was, of course... The Titans making the AFC Championship game. And I was thinking back, we talked to so many people on You Better You Bet on Radio.com Sports, also You Better You Bet, uh, now here on the weekend on The Score and other intercom stations. Thinking back to all the different handicaps I heard on that game, there's one person I could recall that was saying, you know what? You should take a look at the Titans winning outright. His name, Colin Wilson, and he joins me on Early Odds on Sports Radio 670, The Score. Find his work on actionnetwork.com. He's on Twitter at underscore Colin, the number one. Colin, how was your weekend? I know you spent it out there in Vegas with your guy, Stucky, who's a big Ravens fan. So uh, Saturday night had to be pretty interesting. Oh, it was, it was great. Saturday was very interesting because Stucky's a very big Ravens fan. Uh, and generally, the consensus across the nation was the Ravens were the money line parlay piece that you want to have in your ticket. So <laughs> generally, the entire crew I was hanging with was all on the Ravens and had them tied into parlays, had them straight up. And I just had my measly one unit uh, ticket hanging on me uh, with the Titans and just keeping a low profile, trying to keep quiet and not make people mad. And the box score was a little bit out of control. The, the number of fourth downs that were failed by the Ravens. Uh, you know, limiting them to 12 points. It was a Titans better's dream. But I don't even think if you bet the Titans, you could even imagine that game was going to play out, uh, much less stay under the total. I mean, just to imagine the Ravens only score that many points was not really a part of the handicap that I had. It was more about the offense than it was the defense. 
Yeah, you know, that's interesting. I wanted to bring that up because most people were on the Ravens, the books. It made their entire weekend just that one game. You heard a lot of Ravens backers say, hey, they should have scored more points. And they should have. You know, when you rack up 530 yards of offense, you should score more than 12 points. But just from your perspective, siding with the Titans, did you think maybe in some ways Baltimore should have won that game or it should have been more competitive because it really wasn't ever. And it seemed like the coaching staff kind of overreacted early. And I think the thing is, is, is Joe, you know, you know, from all the college football stuff that I do, a real big part of my handicap is post-game win expectancy. And I like to know teams that were actually won the box score, should have won the game. And we're looking at a Ravens team that was multiple times getting into Titans territory and had multiple turnovers. Uh, and if you count those fourth down non-conversions, that counts as a turnover also. So the biggest stew of things that could go right for the Titans happen in every single aspect of that game. And I know that the way that I'm talking about it sounds like maybe, uh, you know, you should fade them this week, that you shouldn't back them because they could never get that lucky again. But here I am once again back in the Tennessee Titans against the Chiefs. Wow. Okay. Let's uh, <laughs> let, let's jump right into it. I've got a couple other questions, and you alluded to the fact uh, just your great work that you put out at the Action Network. I want to get to some futures that you might be looking at early for next season as well. A couple other things. But, yeah, let's jump into that AFC game. It's the first game coming up on Championship Sunday tomorrow. Now, the line most places you'll see sevens and a minus 120. Other shops have a seven and a half up in favor of the Chiefs. The total here, 53. If you're looking at team total, KC north of 30, around 30 and a half, and Tennessee uh, 22 and a half. So what are you thinking for the fourth straight road game for Tennessee? Here's the thing. You're taking a Titans team that has already sent the Patriots home. They've sent the Ravens home. And now everybody thinks, well, this is just going to be a blowout here by Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes, and Patrick Mahomes is going to score his points. I agree. I think Mahomes is going to score his points, but I think the Titans are going to be able to score their points too. Uh, I mean, if you look at Kansas City, this is the worst rush defense that the Titans are going to play as Kansas City is fielding like 29th uh, rush defense in all of NFL. This is the easiest rush defense that the Titans have gone up against in all of the playoffs. So, you know, this is the thing where I think Derrick Henry is going to be able to control the line of scrimmage. The Titans offensive line is going to be able to control the line of scrimmage. And Tannehill, who hasn't even passed, I think, for 200 yards this this, this, off, this postseason yet, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm not sure if he's going to have to throw if Derrick Henry is has, you know, 40 to 45 minutes of possession here. So, you know, this is just one of those things where the big mismatch is the Kansas City front seven trying to take on Derrick Henry. There's a lot there I want to hit on. So let's move to the total, 53. What you threw out there is kind of telling me that you also like the over. So do you like the Tennessee side more than going over 53. Let's uh, recall that in Week 10, these two teams played to a 35-32 score. I I do remember that score, and I think everybody remembers that score. And it's going to be the same thing with the NFC Championships. Everyone's going to remember the previous game score. But in this one particular, Canton City's red zone defense has been tremendous this year. It's been one of the reasons why a lot of us were jumping on the the Chiefs train. Once we got to the end of October, we knew that the the defense, and specifically the red zone defense, was – turning into one of the best in the league. But on the flip side of that, Patrick Mahomes started having problems converting points when he would get inside the red zone. So as much as I love, I think there's going to be points here, and I think that Kansas City is going to be able to score a will like they did last week, there's something inside of me that says Kansas City's had problems in their own red zone on offense, and they have been stout on the defensive side of the ball in their own red zone. So maybe this isn't as high scoring as we think. So I certainly like the Titans better covering the number 
then I do taking the over in this game. This might sound like a, a crazy question to many, and I would not have even broached this subject a few weeks ago, but the Titans with Vrabel, Dean Pease, a defensive coordinator, Arthur Smith, nobody knew his name a month ago. Your average fan didn't. Mm-hmm. Do the Titans have a coaching advantage over Kansas City? Is that not the craziest question? I mean, if you look yeah. at what Vrabel did, I go back to the Vrabel delay of game, punting, and the the chess match that he played with Belichick. And that entire sequence where there was five minutes left in the game and the Titans did everything to burn time off the clock. The biggest complaint we have about NFL head coaches is that they don't know how to manage the clock. They don't know how to manage drives. Uh, they don't know how to execute properly on the clock to be the advantage of their team. We don't have that problem with Tennessee. And I don't want to say that we have a coaching advantage over Andy Reid. I don't think anybody would ever come out and say that. But at the same time, we're talking about Vrabel, who was in a chess match and won against Belichick. So I'm not going to grant him the advantage over Reid, but this is certainly a head coach new to the scene that knows exactly what he's doing, knows how to manage a clock, knows how to manage the strength of the team. And, you know, I know there was a lot of luck involved in beating the Ravens, but that isn't because of a, a lack of ability or knowledge from the head coach. I mean, this, is, this may be the beginning of something that we'll see for maybe a decade in the NFL. Wow, that's amazing. I want to hit on some of these player props. Now, you you mentioned Ryan Tannehill hasn't even thrown for 100 yards in their last two playoff wins, and they set the yardage for him at 232.5. Don't we have to look to the under? We have to look at the under, but, you know, it's one of those things where if I don't, if if it just seems too good to be true, and the line doesn't move whatsoever, and everybody in the world should be on this under. And it's another thing with the field goal prop. I saw Action Network just tweeted out that the the Titans have hit like one field goal in the last, I don't know, 11, 12 weeks. And the prop on that is over under one and a half field goals for the game. Why would you not take the under? Right? So it's just these props are, if they don't move or if they don't at least get some traction or some attention from the market with some larger size money, then it seems like it's too good to be true. So I'm not sure if maybe taking the over is in correlation with maybe taking an over. Uh, I think I would rather have an under maybe on the total than taking uh, than taking an under on, on Tannehill's yards. I, at some point, he's going to break out. I don't know how big of a part of the, the game this is going to be because they're going to feed Henry, feed Henry, and they're going to try to get Kansas City to bite on the play-action pass. Who knows if they're going to bite? Who knows if Tannehill's even going to get that many passing attempts? He didn't have that many passing attempts against the Ravens. From what I see from Kansas City's front seven, I would still take the under based upon the number of attempts that I think Tannehill will have. I don't think it's going to be that much of a throwing kind of game. Speaking of too good to be true, I couldn't wait until this number popped. Derrick Henry, three straight games, over 180 rushing yards for the first time in NFL history, and you knew this would be at least 100, which is a lot if you're not paying attention to the prop market. I'm seeing offshore right now Derrick Henry at 113.5 rushing yards. I mean, you gotta take the over. everybody's going to take the over, and I can't, yeah. I can't argue. I can't. When I saw the video, so over at Action Network, we have a Fade Ravel series where Darren Ravel picks out a prop, and <laughs> if he fails, something crazy happens. And so this week, his video starts up, and it's pretty obvious that if he loses this week, somebody with some pro experience is going to get to run at him full speed and tackle him. So that's pretty cool. But the prop that he picked, I thought, was even crazier which is Derrick Henry uh, uh, to not score a TD. Like I know. I saw that. And I just I thought to myself, I, I've seen this Kansas City front seven and what they give up on the ground. I just Anytime the Titans get it into the red zone, they're going to be able to run it through the A, B, and C gap and take advantage 
of that defense. So it just, when I saw it, I thought, Darren, maybe we should pick another player. Maybe we should pick another prop. This one seems a little bit too good to be true. I like Derrick Henry to go over his yards. I think that's going to be their mission objective is to feed Derrick Henry against a soft front seven for Kansas City. So I like him to go over his touchdown prop. I like him to go over his rushing yards prop. Yeah, I saw that, and I was wondering, is that just Chad Millman picking something that Darren Ravel is absolutely going to use, and it'll make for some great content that we'll see floating around on social? I couldn't believe that. Uh, do you know the NFL player with experience that will be hitting Ravel because Henry's going to score? I have no clue. Okay. I have absolutely no clue, but I, I, whenever Derrick Henry scores that TD, I might get into the company <laughs> slack and say, all right, who is it that's going to be going at like, like a dark speed into, into Ravel, but... I mean, when I saw the prop, I thought, "Oh man, this is uh, this one's going to be tough to dodge, Darren. You're gonna this one's going to be tough." All right, that's going to be fun. So, uh, you like Tennessee, and would you lean over? Is that fair to say? I would lean to the over. Uh, I, I do think Kansas City is going to be able to get their points up, and maybe not at the pace that they got them up against the Texans. And I think Tennessee is going to be able to get their own. The one, the one thing that would that I would caution is is that I think Tennessee is going to be able to control the clock because they're going to be able to control the ground. And I do like the red zone defense uh, of Kansas City. But mostly, I mean, those numbers come against passing teams. So, you know, at the same time, I do like the over more than I like the under here. But uh, the Titans are definitely the best pick. This is Joe Ostrowski on Sports Radio 670. The score, my guest this week on Early Odds, Colin Wilson of the Action Network. Follow him on Twitter at underscore Colin and the numeral one. Colin, let's move over to the NFC side. We are in NFC North Country. You've got the Packers at the Niners for the NFC title game. Now, San Francisco, it's minus seven and a half. Some shops you might find minus seven, but you're going to have to pay minus 120. Total sitting at 46 and a half. If you're looking to the team total, it's around San Francisco 27 and Green Bay 19. Uh, of course, we think back to week 12, the primetime game. San Francisco just smoked the Packers 37-8, to and they didn't have some of their key components who are now back on the field for that Niners defense. Yeah, and I think the thing that you take from that game, if you look at some off-the-field stuff, is that Aaron Rodgers was chastising the team for not taking the trip seriously, and then maybe there was some off-field activities going on leading up to the game on the West Coast uh, that he was not too happy with. So you would expect, a better performance out of Green Bay. Now, is that good enough to get within the number to get to seven? I think the number is spot on. I think it's legit. And if I had to take a side, I would take Green Bay to lose by seven. And the reason is I just have not seen the amount of, you know, love that is coming in on San Francisco, the amount of money and the amount of tickets that I see. It hasn't been able to take the number off from seven and a half. And, you know, Green Bay's not getting a lot of support this week. Uh, the over is getting a lot of support and San Francisco getting a lot of support. So I think if it's a lower scoring game, at least lower than what we had last time, and Green Bay actually shows up and takes this trip seriously, I think they have a good shot to cover. I mean, both offenses rank in the top 12, top 13 in rushing offense and passing offense. The difference really is, is the Niners defense. I mean, they're second in the league against the pass. Uh, that's going to be a real problem for Aaron Rodgers. They're adjusted sack rate for San Francisco, a real mismatch here. You know, even the rush defense for the Niners is 11th in the league for Aaron Jones. So uh, a real mismatch on the ball is going to be the Niners' defense and, and what they do against Aaron Rodgers. So it might be lower scoring. I'm not sure the Niners will you know, be able to get a lot of points up on the board. Just like the Vikings game, that one didn't have as many points as we thought it would have. Uh, so I think it's going to be lower scoring, and I like Green Bay to maybe have a little backdoor cover there at the end. Okay, uh, But definitely the under in, in the pack. Colin, I consider you a, a sharp better, and – you, you talk privately with a lot of other betters who know what they're doing, professional dudes. 
I have not heard a lot of people make the case for Green Bay. Now, you did just make a case there. Uh, has that been the same situation for you? Sure, I, I've seen both sides of it, Kansas City and Tennessee. People don't want to lose any more money on the Titans than they've already lost. But uh, it, it just seems like at least the public and a lot of sharp guys all in on San Fran here. Yes, and that was the thought. from the. So these, these lines were actually released um, while I was still in Las Vegas. And, you know, the, the, the sentiment from the, the start was you better get the seventh because it's going to go up. And that was the start from a lot of guys out there that I respect that uh, probably are going to have heavy volume. Worth, they're going to have more volume into it than I have in this game. And they wanted San Francisco on the seven immediately. And that's really been the sentiment. As a matter of fact, I can't find much of anybody that I respect that is on Green Bay. Uh, right. And I, I think I think the public is coming in on San Francisco. I think a lot of sharps that I respect are coming in on San Francisco. And I completely agree with that. I mean, I see it in the numbers, too. The problem is, is that Green Bay team that came out earlier in the season and just really got rocked, that whole entire team was not prepared. I think they had their mind on other things while they were out on the West Coast. I know they had an extra week to prepare, but I think that was really against them in that game. I expect a way better effort out of Green Bay here. Uh, especially, uh, you know, when it comes to their defense. And how much of this handicap is the struggles that we saw from Jimmy Garoppolo in his first playoff game last week? Yeah, I mean, this wasn't as high scoring as we thought it would be. We we didn't really think against the Vikings. I mean, the Vikings really are the ones I thought put up the goose egg, I guess you could say, in the box scores, really kind of not as well as what we thought they would do after what Kirk Cousins did the week before, just to get in a position to play San Francisco. So, uh, you know, if any team with the Pulse would have come in there, they possibly could have beat San Francisco last week uh, with such a low total also. There just was not a lot of points scored in that game whatsoever. I think it's the same thing here. I, I think maybe San Francisco has an off day on offense, although I will say, you know, Green Bay has shown tendencies against some of the formation setup that San Francisco gets into, uh, some of the pre-snap motion that San Francisco gets into. Green Bay has a hard time handling that stuff on defense. Uh, so I guess we'll see here. We'll see if San Francisco offensively, is going to give it a full ride. And, you know, uh, these two games are going to play a lot into, you know, where the opening line is for the Super Bowl. So if San Francisco wins in a real ugly one uh, and you get a Chiefs victory, that game may be more around a minus one or a pick than it would be maybe a minus two and a half that people thought it would be. All right. So Colin Wilson looking at Green Bay and the under. So we talked to a couple bookmakers this week on You Better, You Bet, and some have been elsewhere saying the exact same thing, that if the favorites do march on here and meet in two weeks, San Francisco and Kansas City, that the line would open as a pick Is that off? Mm-hmm. I think so. I think San Francisco should be a two-and-a-half-point favorite, uh, and, it, and it really comes down to the huh. defensive front seven. A major difference for me is the defensive front seven. Now, this is assuming Garoppolo picks it back up, and he, he is just as potent of as an offensive uh, you know, getting points on the board and moving the ball as, as Patrick Mahomes. But I think the San Francisco defense is, is truly the great equalizer in a Super Bowl against Patrick Mahomes. Like I said before, the handicap of the Titans is Mahomes has had some problems with his red zone offense. Uh, you know, the last six, seven weeks of the season, uh, putting points up after getting the 20-yard line was never a given. And settling for field goals was, was a big part of the equation. So I definitely like San Francisco, and I think if it came out as a pick or a minus one, I would certainly be on the Niners out of the gate. But you also think Tennessee and Green Bay are live. If that's the matchup we get, what sort of a line are you expecting as America cries? Could you ever imagine uh, <laughs> no. Super Bowl with Green, Green Bay as a dog? I, there's, uh, how many people would line up to have Green Bay at underdog number against the Tennessee Titans? So I would expect Tennessee to, 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 to be the dog in that, probably maybe three and a half. I'm not sure if there's 
a look at a headline, but I'm sure the Packers would be favored in that scenario. Yeah, they probably would be, but I, I would make the argument for Tennessee. What else do they have to do? How many roads uh, yeah. have been tougher? How do you go through the Patriots, Ravens, and Chiefs and still become an underdog? So uh, I think then we're going to have to start talking about you know, Green Bay's defense, can they take care of, you know, uh, Derrick Henry? Can they play and go against some play-action pass? And, uh, Tannehill in the Super Bowl is just something I have not been able to wrap my mind around. But we'll see after <laughs> Sunday. I mean, if Tannehill makes the Super Bowl, I've got to – I mean, that's a real-life thing that could happen here. That is amazing. The forever 9-7 and seven Titans may be playing in uh, the upcoming Super Bowl here. Uh, Colin, a couple other things before I, I cut you loose here. You're always looking ahead in college football. It was a bad uh, night for a lot of us on Clemson this past Monday. But as far as next season, are there any college football futures uh, that are worth taking a shot right now for you? I usually don't get involved in stuff where money's going to sit aside for a full calendar year, but sometimes if the value's right, maybe it's worth it. Yeah, and I think there's two teams that I specifically wanted, and I just wanted to see the number first. Uh, The first one was Georgia. I I knew with Jamie Newman coming over from Wake Forest. I know Jamie Newman coming over as quarterback from Wake Forest. Uh, and even today, they've announced that they, you know, Todd Munkin is going to be the new offensive coordinator, and Georgia's old offensive coordinator, James Coley, is going to go back to being a quarterback. These are all good moves by Kirby Smart. And we know that they have enough talent to win the national championship and to compete in the SEC. But the problem is, is the number is 8-1. to one. And that's just too short for a team. That's what these odds were a year ago when they had everything and Jake Fromm returning. So they didn't get any value in Georgia whatsoever with some of these upgrades around the offensive side of the ball. Then I wanted to look at Oregon. Oregon is a team that has led the Pac-12 in recruiting the last few years. They are ahead of the pace in front of everybody. I mean, they just won the Pac-12. But, I mean, there's nobody that's going to be able to catch them this upcoming year. The problem with their number was that they start the year with North Dakota State, who just won the FCS, and then Ohio State comes to Eugene. So taking a future ticket on them may not be too wise because you don't know where they're going to be sitting in week three. Mm. Assuming they survive those two, I'd be much happier to take a 15 to one or 20 to one on Oregon than possibly taking the 30 to 60 to one that's out there now and then possibly losing their first two games of the season. So that really came down to me finding more of a long shot. And I wanted to match up things like returning production, second order win total, which looks at your win expectancy and luck from the season before. Uh, I wanted to look at net turnover regression. I wanted to look at stability in the coaching staff and stability in the transfer portal. And that came down to one team, and that was Texas A&M. So Texas A&M is going to get one of the largest bumps out of any college football power rankings you see between now and the next eight months or so. Texas A&M is going to get the biggest bump. And if you look at the SEC West, there's change everywhere. There's no two at Alabama. There's no Joe, Joe Burrow at LSU. LSU has lost almost everybody that played on the team just a week ago. You look at Mississippi State. They're changing everything schematically with Mike Leach coming in. Uh, Arkansas is on the rebuild. I mean, it is a really, really great opportunity for Texas A&M, as stable as they've been with all the players they return, and a schedule that rolls Clemson and Georgia off and inherits Vanderbilt and Colorado. Texas A&M has all the things that you need in a preseason, uh, a little bit of a long-shot future to, to to make a rumble. They should go into November undefeated. And what you do with that ticket is, is your own business. But mm. they should go in undefeated with, with a, a very experienced roster and a, and a coach that's won a national championship before. That's strong, Colin. One more thing, and this may be the most important question that I ask you. So I, I'm setting up the man cave in my house, and now I've got to figure out the exact TV setup, what exactly yeah. I want. Like I, I talked to Eli and Nick Costos on You Better You Bet, but those guys are single. They're not married. 
they, they don't have kids like like you do. So you understand where yeah. I'm coming from. You got to give some time, but you also need your time away, and you need to have that killer setup when you're betting on multiple games going on simultaneously. So what's your setup? So I have a thing called a split mux. It's uh, it comes out by uh, a company called NTI, and what it does is it takes four HDMI inputs and it projects them across your screen. Now, obviously, you're going to need a big TV. You're going to need something 75 inches or above, and the split mux. Uh, HDMI will show four screens at once. So you can put in a, a Fire Stick, uh, a PlayStation, <laughs> an Xbox, and your own cable into the back of this split mux, and you can watch four screens all at the same time. And that's how I am able to watch as much college football as probably anybody I can think of is because I've got four windows going all at the same time. And say your kids want to hang out with you, which I have a 12- and 13-year-old myself, they can sit down and take one of those screens to play Nintendo Switch or play PlayStation while I'm still watching football. I'm also gaming with my children at the same time. So the ability to get the sports bar view in your house, mm-hmm. to get four live feeds on one large TV, makes it so that you never have to leave the house again. Uh, and then, you know, it's, but you can seem like you're socializing with your family, too. You right. give them a little pie on the screen, a little piece. You look like dad of the year. Colin, you just changed my life. Thank you. <laughs> Colin Wilson from the Action Network. Follow me on Twitter at underscore Colin numeral one. Uh, Colin, best of luck this weekend, all right? Thanks a lot, Joe. Excellent info, as always, from Colin Wilson, especially on the TV setup uh, for my personal life. Put a reminder on your phone. You better, you bet, tomorrow, right here on 670 The Score, 9 to 11 a.m. Myself, Danny Parkins, Nick Costos. We'll talk then. But for right now, inside the clubhouse from the Cubs convention, next on Sports Radio 670, The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast 
You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 